Welcome to Season 5 of the Excel Still More Podcast. I'm still your host, Chris Emerson, and I'm here to encourage you in your walk with the Lord, and I'm glad you've joined. The program continues to be sponsored by Cunningham Financial Group. John is a good friend, and he's helped me and my family in everything from stock and mutual fund investing to annuities, life insurance, and retirement planning. I certainly commend him to you if you have needs in any of those areas. You can reach him at 205 205- 3267364. Thank you again for your ongoing encouragement and support. Let's get started. Hey, welcome and thanks for listening in today. I think I have a pretty cool idea for you today. I say think because it's really really new. About 2 hours ago, I ran across a quote from about 100 years back and I'm just intrigued by it. I'm starting to sense some personal implications. There is a principle or two at play that I'm fairly excited to see how it will get fleshed out in my life. And I was sitting there at the desk and I thought, you know what? I think I'll flesh it out with you. I'll just get in here and turn on the microphone and see if it comes together. Now, on the one hand, if it doesn't work out, if this thing just ends up not making sense, then I'll just delete it and you will not hear any of this. So I could probably record something completely ridiculous, like maybe I still believe in unicorns. But if it comes together like I really think that it will, then I will put this out on Monday. You are listening to it right now, and I probably need to go remove the unicorn bit. So to go ahead and jump in and give it a go, it was in 1925 that this preacher over at the Westminster Abbey Congregation in England named Canon Donaldson made a list of seven social sins. That list was published in a newspaper the next day. Within a couple of months, a guy you may know, Mahatma Gandhi, grabbed a hold of it and shared it. And then more recently, there's a guy named Stephen Covey, who does books like Seven Effective Habits and so forth, who has sort of resurrected the list and has used it in a couple of his books. Now, before I get into that list, I should probably address that little part of your brain that's saying, that sounds really familiar to me because there are a couple of similar lists that we've heard about for a really long time, the most popular of which is the list we call Seven Deadly Sins. Popular in religions across the world for hundreds of years, that list includes pride, greed, wrath, envy, lust, gluttony, and sloth. It's not crucial today that you remember that list. I'll put it in the show notes, but it's pretty straightforward and non-negotiable. All seven of those things are clearly sin. They are harmful to someone. Either they harm God or yourself or others. They're very plain. They're based directly off of scriptures. There's really no negotiation in any of that, although with gluttony and some other things we've tried throughout the years. What you'll notice in a minute is that the list I'm going to share with you has some interesting ambiguity to it and a little bit more depth But I don't think there's any doubt that when Donaldson preached this upcoming list, he was thinking back upon the other. There's a list, by the way, that's even older than both of those that's called the seven things that God hates. That's found back in Proverbs chapter 6, and it's really the OG of the seven things that you must avoid. It's very similar to the list I just gave you. Depends on the version that you read, but it's pride, lying in general, murdering people, pursuing wicked plans, rushing into evil things, lying about other people, or just generally being a causer of strife. 
Now, again, I could do an episode just on that list. They are blatantly no good. There's no place for them in our lives. There's really no ambiguity or wiggle room about them. And to me, it's not really about who they hurt, just the fact that they're utterly wrong and hurt everyone. But that's where, in my opinion, the list that Donaldson preached 100 years ago strikes a bit of a different chord. First of all, notice the title again. It's not seven deadly sins or just things the Lord hates. They are called seven social sins. That title took a year or two to form. I found an excerpt from the newspaper, I think the day after he preached it, and it said, Canon of Westminster Abbey names seven cardinal crimes of modern society. And what he seems to be designing is a list of things that you may do that are wrong directly because of the impact they have on the society around you. They are based on the second great commandment, not just love God or create an honorable relationship between you and God, but love your neighbor. Your society represents all of the people around you. Your family is your society. The place where you work or live, the country in which you live, the place where you work, that is your society of social influences around you, and this list asks you to honor and accept responsibility for how you affect others. This is probably why Mahatma Gandhi jumped right on this and published it in his own paper shortly afterwards. You might remember him. He was a lawyer in India. He was a pacifist. He sought to free his people from the control of other countries and do so in a peaceful way. He appealed to qualities that counter the lists I gave you earlier, like humility and honor and compassion for others, and he did a lot of good. And so I believe it was he who said these are seven social sins, but again, what he meant was you have a responsibility to your society. Everything you do either builds up or tears down others. It either pulls people together or it pushes them further apart. You are contributing to the betterment of the lives of people around you, or you are extracting in a way that takes from them for your own benefit. So in his view, he's like, these seven things are something everyone needs to consider deeply if you have owned the fact that you matter in the lives of others. In terms of application, I think there are a couple of really important aspects to today's episode, but having just established this first thing, effect upon others, I want to begin to share the list with you. I'm going to read through all seven, but I say begin because each one of these is a short phrase. And each phrase begins with something that is not necessarily evil or sinful. They represent activities or concepts sourced in you that affect others. Listen to this list. Politics, wealth, pleasure, knowledge, business, science, and worship. Now, again, you may go, wait a minute, none of those are bad in and of themselves. They have the potential to be bad, but each of them also has the potential to be good, to which I would say exactly the point. I have not yet given you the punchline back end to these lists. All you're being asked to own right now, and we'll briefly go back through the list, is if you are a participant in any of these things, if they exist in your life anywhere, they affect others. You have to own the social element of this, that whatever you choose to do with these things can be good or bad, totally agree with that, 
but whichever way you go, it is bigger than just yourself. It is even bigger than just you and God. Let me go through this quickly and explain. Politics. If you choose to participate in the political process by voting or run for office, you may do the right thing or you may do the wrong thing, but other people will feel, in some sense, the impact of that. The people who are led by the person you voted for or perhaps the people who are led and have policies instated by you. Wealth is the exact same way. If you have wealth, we know that you can use it for good or you can use it for evil, but simply having it and utilizing it means that the society around you will be affected. Maybe it's your own family and what they do with the money you give them or the poor person walking down the street. Pleasure. That is your choice to do things that please you, to exercise your rights and abilities to get joy on this earth. Again, good or bad, up to you. The choices exist, but it is not in a vacuum. What you choose to do for joy will bring joy or sadness to others. Number four, knowledge. That's a little bit more internal, but in a practical sense, your knowledge is power. It is the power to make decisions, to build things, and to share things. And when you do any of those active things, other people, the society around you, will in some way be affected. Number five is business. And again, this ought to start making very good sense. If you decide to get into commerce and industry, to start a business, to fund one or whatever it might be, that business can serve the good of others. That business can tear down others. That's your decision. But the others part is absolute. I own the fact that my business activity matters to more than just me. The last two in the list are kind of interesting to me because one is a little harder to grab onto and the other one is so simple and obvious that I don't think we could miss it if we tried. Number six is science, which seems to be relating to technology and advancement and figuring things out and really kind of like applied knowledge in the way that our world works. If that's something you contribute to, you have the skills or ability for, that's amazing. Naturally, we can build things that help people and we can build things that literally have destroyed people. But it's just kind of owning that if science of any nature is your thing, the end game is the effect on people. And then number seven is worship. The Bible abundantly teaches us that worship on an individual body level and a collective assembled level is about much more than just you and God. We could look at that from many different directions, from the purpose of vocal singing in worship to teach and edify others, to the contemplation of the body of Christ, of the people of Christ, when we partake of the Lord's Supper. If you get nothing else out of this episode so far or in the more practical back half, please get this. Worship is about more than you. We have to get past this idea that the way I choose to worship God is completely self-contained. There's either the right way or the wrong way, but it's always between me and God. That is just not true. It's never been true, and it's not true today. Your worship affects people. In many ways, it's about the effect on people, and that's what makes this a social list. Okay, but as we said, it's not just a social list. It's seven social sins. So what makes those seven things sinful? Well, simply put, it's engaging in any of those things without a crucial element. If you take one particular thing out of each of them, 
it not only becomes sinful, it becomes destructive. So just to give you some setting for that, let me go ahead and read all seven in their entirety, and then we'll go back and talk about why I think this is so important. Social sin number one, politics without principle. Wealth without work. Pleasure without conscience. Knowledge without character. Business without morality. Science without humanity, and worship without sacrifice. So before we go back through those, the good news is if you have those qualities, chances are you can participate in all seven of these things and everything can be wonderful and now you have like seven social virtues. But just by extracting very specific things, it all goes poor very quickly. And as I've said many times, it goes poor for others, which is supposed to be a pretty big deal. But to me, more interesting than that, and really the reason that I'm recording this episode, is that the seven things that must be included are predominantly internal things. They speak to your heart. They speak to the way you think and feel about yourself and others. They speak to your conscience, your sense of goodness. Basically, the nine qualities, since we're making a bunch of lists, what's one more from Galatians 5 These things exist inside of you, things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. You might argue, those things are in me, they're personal, and they're mine. Okay, no problem. I'll go with that, and I think probably everything in our list could fit mostly into that category, like do you have principles? Do you have a good work ethic? How's your conscience, your character, your morality, humanity, and sacrificial spirit? But here's the connection that I'm begging you to make, the thing that is dominating my afternoon in terms of how I'm going to use this. It turns out the things that are going on inside of me, the way that I think and feel, the nature of my faith, the way that I see the world, health in those personal internal things are crucial in determining the wisdom of all of the things I endeavor to do. Now, you might think, well, that's really simple. I mean, if you think well, you do good things, and if you think poorly, you do bad things. But remember our initial list, things like politics and business, they are amoral. They're not good or bad. They just affect people. They are society influencers, maybe something very small like your closest friends or maybe the entire world. Whether those typically amoral things are good or bad will be determined by what's going on in the heart of the person who pursues it. In that way, I'm being asked to chain together two simple things. What's going on inside of me and how my life affects other people. I don't know that I've made that connection in the past like I should have. Sometimes when it comes to things like lust or greed or envy or the seven deadly sins, we like to separate those things from people. You go, well, that's a personal problem that I have. It's private. It's internal. It's just between me and God. Whether I've got it or I don't, that is a big deal to God, but I don't think it really matters for my family and the church where I worship. That is absolutely false. Who I am becoming in my heart is the chief factor in the effect of every external thing I do, even if I've not thought of it before in terms of good and bad. 
Let's walk together through the list one more time and see if this all makes sense. Number one, politics without principle. As we said, politics are influential and amoral. But the question is, am I a principled person? Am I the kind of person approaching political activity because I have a heart for people? I live on the principles of integrity and honesty and mercy. Any idea that I can lack those qualities and exercise politically for the good of others is deception. So, if I want to be a good politician, beyond understanding the impact of what I do, what is the very first thing I need to work on? Number two, wealth without work ethic. If I pursue wealth without a sense of personal discipline, if I'm not willing to earn it or labor for it, this promotes the idea of cutting corners stepping on other people, and trying to get wealth for its own sake without making it the product of a disciplined life. Chances are that person will not use their wealth well and will likely always be a taker. So you say, hey, I have wealth or I'm growing wealth. How do I make sure I use it the right way? I would say work on yourself, on your sense of work ethic and honesty and discipline. Because while it may seem like that's all self-contained and it has nothing to do with how you'll affect anybody else, the truth is the development of that character is going to affect everybody else one day if, for instance, you had wealth. Number three is pleasures without conscience. I hope I've convinced you that the way you engage in pleasure and activity and joys in this life are factors upon other people. We use the first half establishing that And so maybe a young person wonders, will I engage in pleasures in a way that is good for all or bad for all or just good for me? And I say, tell me about your conscience. Do you have a conscience that's sensitive to the designer's will for your life, like emotionally sensitive to what he wants? Do you have a conscience that is subject to the needs of the people around you and is even humble enough to be shaped by the help of those same people? And so to me, this is a really big one. First of all, owning the fact that your pleasure choices have a bigger impact than yourself and the simple concept of building a godly conscience will mandate and direct that throughout your life. So in some ways, the takeaway punchline of all of this today is understanding that the private time you spend building your closeness to God, being humble before his presence, praying and reading in the right ways, filling yourself with spiritual qualities and owning the fact that you are a vessel to be filled with those qualities, well, that's a project with nearly limitless impact. The rest of these are just like it. Knowledge is power and influential, but a social sin is knowledge without character. Because then, of course, that knowledge becomes just one of the seven deadly sins of greed. And that knowledge that did have the power to help is now destroying everything for the sake of self. Numbers five and six may not apply to everyone, but he said business without morality and science without humanity. To me, this makes me think of young people who are aspiring to get an education and figure things out and lay out the plan for their lives. They want to start a business or have a great job or develop something. We warn them, hey, that's going to be bigger than just you, so own all of that, but also this can go great or it can go poorly. Well, how do I know which one it will be? I don't think it's necessarily circumstantial or external. The moral sin is when within me I am not sourced in God's sense of what is moral, what is right, 
what honors my body and others' body, what is filled with humanity, and by this it means a love for fellow humans, a love for my spouse, to be very specific, or the brothers and sisters in Christ with whom I serve. To put this in some really simple term, it's going to be very difficult for a man to make a career choice, to set his hours, his future, his goals in a way that is good for him and God and others if there's not this internal compass of what is moral and what is loving that is driving it. To the extent that you try to separate those two things, you try to go, look, that's a totally different thing. Pursuing your occupation and all that, it's its own thing. And then there's this internal character thing that kind of comes in later and tries to figure out how to make the best of it. That is not so. Those internal qualities drive those external choices and determine whether they are good or bad. And then lastly, I know I need to wrap up, is worship without sacrifice or a sacrificial spirit. We've talked about this in previous episodes, worshiping for yourself or in some showy way or to check some box, worshiping in a way that is unemotional or uninvolved or unincorporated. God is looking for truth and spirit. He wants you to worship him his way, but he wants you to worship him, coming to him sacrificially, offering yourself to what you give, and more corporately, offering yourself to the good of the body of Christ who is worshiping God together. Will my worship be good or evil? Well, there are determining factors, but nothing more strongly than the spirit that exists within you. And I pray that is the spirit of Jesus, which was filled with full self-sacrifice, mainly for the benefit of others. And that's the final thought here. I guess the episode came together okay, because here I am, and here you are, still listening to it. So let me just sum it up in this final way. Beyond the seven things in the list, there are many things you will endeavor to do in this life that will go one way or the other. Please understand that just about everything you endeavor to do has an impact larger than yourself. Be thankful for that, not fearful of it. But listen, the work you're doing on the inside, the development of your faith and character, the honesty of spirit that fuels those decisions, they can fill your life with wonderful pursuits that are good for everyone involved. But that begins from the heart and works its way outward. Attend to that so that your life goals don't fall into some sad list called seven social sins. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you enjoyed this program, will you share it with someone you care about? One thing I've learned over these five seasons is that there's nothing as powerful in advertising as word of mouth sharing between friends. Speaking of friends, let me once again commend you to give John Cunningham a call. He and his team have a wide variety of tools to help you use your present budget and life to build towards a more secure and hopeful financial future. Once again, you can reach him at 205-326-7364. And always remember, whatever you choose to do today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, excel still more.